This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. Thanks so much for joining me for this chat featuring Northern Irish guitarist Simon McBride. Now, the catalyst for the conversation is due to the launch of his new solo album titled The Fighter. But something else about Simon that you may or may not be aware of, he is actually the guitarist in Deep Purple at the moment. He's taking the stage that belongs to, the side of the stage at least, that belongs to the great Steve Morse, who's had to step away from his gig due to uh, his very, he's looking after his very ill wife. So Godspeed to you there, Mrs. Morse and also Steve. But for Simon, it's a wonderful opportunity to get on stage in one of the all-time classic rock and metal bands and strutty stuff. Just think about it, he is on the side of stage that was once occupied by Probably the greatest rock and metal guitar innovator outside of Eddie Van Halen. I'm talking about Richie Blackmore and one of my favorite guitarists, Tommy Bolin, underrated fellow. Long gone, of course, but that guy had style panache. He had it all, and so does Simon, as a matter of fact, as evidenced on this tune, which you will hear if you are listening via the podcast apps. Don't Dare is the name of it. It is taken from The Fighter. Unfortunately, if you've tuned in via YouTube, I can't play the song, so we're going to dive into the chat now. For you podcasters, let's hear the tune, and the chat will soon follow. Let's go.
Ticking along, it's bloody freezing here for us. You'll probably laugh being where you are, but it's about 15 degrees or something <laughs> like that. But you know. uh, what's the degrees? 15. 15 degrees? That's summertime yeah. for us. What are you talking about? <laughs> I can imagine. I know it's just we're not used to it. So we tend to get about six weeks of cold weather a year. I want to say cold weather like this. Um, and uh, you feel it because you're used to it being about 24, 25 degrees, you know? Oh, I can imagine. It's like, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you're, yeah, it's always a thing. It's when you're in a warm place all the time and then it drops a little bit. It's cold. Whereas for us, yep. it's the opposite. If we go to a hot country, it's like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> you know what's going on? I know it's just mad. But yeah, because I've been in the last th- two, three weeks, I've been in uh, uh, kind of the Middle East direction, yeah. you know, and it's just been like 20 seven 28 degrees everywhere Dry, so it, yeah. it took me a while to get used to it and then i come back here and i'm like oh, it's bloody freezing <laughs> yeah but yeah that's the joys <laughs> the joys do you find when you're touring do you, do you pick up viruses like you know very minor flus and just get sniffly noses constantly um you can do yeah it you know it depends it's it's uh when you're touring my i because you're on a lot of planes well we we're, we're on a private jet so it's basically we don't tra- we don't mingle with anybody outside you know our touring party if you know what i mean mm. um but uh yeah you can do when you're traveling a lot just on planes and stuff like that you know just you know eric and Dawn, going from going from different temperatures is a big thing as well um yeah. but i'm lucky enough i don't really get sick that much anymore um mm. and i just i discovered it was just because it was just being a lot more uh, healthy and, and fit on the yeah. road makes, I don't know, for some reason works for me. It helps my immune system a lot better because I, I remember I used to get sick every month, you know, mm. every, every without fail, every month. And I just changed a little bit in my, and how I just, I just tried to exercise every day and, you know, and that just keeps, it's like a kickstart stuff in your body. I don't yeah. know. 
detail. Yeah. You know? I'm not some yeah. big fitness speaker or anything. Like I just, you know, <laughs> like I, I haven't done any exercise in two and a half weeks. So it's like, you know, you know, apart hey, from the, the, that, that exercise, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you get, I've watched the videos. You're getting a bit of a workout on stage though. I mean, that's part of it, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's a workout on stage. Yeah, it's great. You know, you're kind of, uh, you know, running around a little bit and, you know, it's it's all, but when you're playing guitar, it's all really in the hands and the wrists and yeah. stuff. Uh, mm. But yeah, it's, uh, I probably lose about three stone each night and sweat, but that's, you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's fun, you know, to do it, you know, uh, but yeah, it's good. To, uh, I, I still have to play every day just to keep, it's funny when you're on the oh, road, man. you know, you got to keep, playing every day just to keep your fingers you know keep that dexterity there and just to keep it you know loose a little bit you know so because if you don't play if i if i don't even play for two three days like you know say we have a two three day gap in between gigs mm. and i don't play i come to the next gig and i'm like my fingers sort of feel a bit stiff it's yes. a weird thing because it's like you get you get so you know uh, supple and whatnot and then stop playing they just kind of stiffen up a little bit and then so mm. i have to before the gig it's like oh shit my, my warm-up exercise has now become an hour instead of half an hour oh, you yeah. know and I get it get them back to in some shape or form so i try to play every single day you know um mm. so that's why i bring my guitar everywhere with me you know back to the hotel room every, every night it always comes with me um mm. so i get up in the morning and play for an hour and that's mm. it really so yeah it looks like you've taken, the, and I imagine that there there is extra pressure given you're you're playing in deep purple. But do you feel it, or have you just taken it in your stride? I just taken it in my stride, to be honest. You know, there, you know, it's. I felt a little bit of pressure the first gig because for, that was just more me. I was a little bit nervous because. Um, mm. Well, I think we were all a little bit nervous. You know, even those guys. You know, he's been doing it for so long. First show after two and a half years, really. First, you know, proper touring show, and um, uh, you know, but then the adrenaline kicks in. So, um, no, I don't, I, I, I don't get stressed or pressurized in, mm. about anything, really. You know, um, which really annoys my wife. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, you know, I don't, I don't. People get stressed about things. I don't know. It's about just whatever's in my way, my brain works. I don't get stressed about things. So I just, you know, I, to me, I just go on stage and have fun. And, and, you know, the guys are amazing. It would be a different story if the guys were not very yeah. nice to work with or whatever. But, uh, you know, they're just unbelievable. They're, they're incredible people and uh, just just really, really humble and down to earth. And just they just love playing music and that's it. And they respect me and they, you know, just let me get on with it. And that's that's an amazing thing so you know the first gig playing with deep purple is like ah oh, shit i'm going to play stage with deep purple oh no ah you know so and then the second gig was like yeah it's gonna be fun tonight it's gonna be you know, <laughs> you know it's bizarre how it you're works looking like. forward you're looking forward to the pizza or the mcdonald's afterwards when you're on stage a bit <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah but, they uh, that thinking. i'm a muso too and that's what i tend to do is i think what fast food what junk food am i going to get in the drive home <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> I know, yeah. yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, no, it's fun. It's you know, it's an amazing experience. It's, you know, just to play with them, you know, and be part of that mm -hmm. history, you know, that legacy, if you want to call it. Um, yeah, but yeah, oh, cool. Yeah, well, I'll just get, I'm definitely here to talk about uh, the fight, a killer album, by the way. I've, I've loved listening to it in preparation for our chat. But just whilst we're Thanks. talking about about Deep Purple, look for, yeah. for for my years, 
Okay. Uh, you're more of a, a spiritual successor to Tommy Boland uh, than Steve or, or Richie Blackmore. Does that comment resonate with you at all? Um, well, I don't know because at the end of the day, you know, for me with this gig, there's always, there's been lots of people saying, you know, asking me, will I play like Richie? Will I play like Steve? And will I do mm. this or Tommy or Satriani or whatever? And so that thing kind of, it initially kind of confused me a little bit. I didn't know what to do. Uh, mm. It was only when I was talking to Don Airy about it. And he just said, forget about it all. Just be you. Play your mm. own thing. That's it. You know, um, which I did. And I, I kind of started to relax a little bit and just be myself. So I think when you start to think about, you know, who else has been, you know, in the band, it, mm. You get a little bit confused what to play or what, when to play or what to do or what way to play or should I play this like Richie or should I play like Steve or should I, you know, um, you know, everybody has their own opinion on, 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 you know, the guitar players in Deep Purple and who was, which one worked better or whatnot, you know, um, I just, I'd be respectful to everybody and, you know, who's played in it because they're all great players, every single one of them. So I just, I'd kind of, whether it's Richie or Tommy or Steve, I just kind of be respectful to what they've done in the past and just, I just do my own thing most of the time. Like, I, I like yeah. for, there's certain things you have to play. Like, you know, for, you know, Kaiway Star, for example, I'm not going to play anything different to what's there in the original because why the hell would <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. my attitude if it, if it ain't broke don't fix it because you know i learned a lot from don airy from over the years playing with him because you know when he plays some of the you know john lord parts it's like he's like well have you heard the keyboard solo i was like and i was like yeah he says well why the hell would you change it <laughs> it's like it's very some people can be like oh i need to do my own thing and i go well I'm sorry, but it, it, these guys spend a lot of time in the studio or, or whatever it is, you know, creating these pieces of music to fit the song. So it's just, why would I be so arrogant to say, I'm going to change that just just because I want to play my own thing? Because I know really I wouldn't come up with anything better. Why would I? You know, it, but so anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm going on a bit, but um, it's a case of just. I I just go on and do my thing and I don't really think about it too much, you know, what people say or, or do, you know, people will either like me or hate me. Uh, I don't know. You know so well, that's a that's but, a great point though. Sorry to interrupt you, but that's a great point. I mean, people are accepting you. I've watched, I've read the YouTube comments. I mean, a, a position like that, um, there are other examples that I could offer where you've got someone younger stepping into a legacy band with a titan like Richie coming before you. And you, you you do suffer a bit because the fans don't accept you, but the fans are accepting you certainly on face value when I'm reading the comments. But are you feeling that night tonight? Yeah, um, every to be honest, everybody has been so nice and so cool and so kind, especially on as you say on the social media stuff. Everybody's mm. it's all been very positive. You get the odd negative one, but I don't read a lot of it anyway. So, but it's really it's really cool, you know, the people accept me and and as you say because it is a legacy band and you know they've been around for a long time um i really appreciate the people just are are, are digging what I, I do and you know i feel it every night on stage you know um you know we uh, some of the shows we've done like some of the audience reaction has been incredible like we played a show in macedonia mm. 
we come off, we did our encore and stuff like that. And then 20 minutes later, the audience are still shouting. Like, I mean, I'm like just, I've never heard this in my entire life, you know, 15, 20 minutes of 10,000 people shouting for more just constantly. And they wouldn't, they wouldn't leave. And even Don Airy and, and Roger Glover was standing there in shock on. We haven't heard this in a long, long time, you know, so mm. it's not, not saying that's all for me. I'm just saying that's just, just, just for the band. But, um, so I, you know, I'm, I'm very, very privileged that people like what I'm doing, you know, because it is always hard stepping into the, you know, into the band where you've had <laughs> Richie Blackmore, Steve Morse, Joe Satriani and Tommy Bone. It's like, they're not small names by any means, you know? <laughs> so, so, uh, it's always very, uh, you know what I, I i think if i just if you just play and have fun you know that comes across and people respect that and people will truly see you know i'm what age i'm 43 i think i can't, I can't even that's <laughs> terrible i can't remember your own age i know i'm over 40 anyway so yeah. uh i kind of grew up in that old school playing method anyway so uh you know because i grew up in you know the the 80s and 90s so i'm i'm, I'm yeah i'm I guess I'm still I'm still part of that that older generation if you want to call it so I kind of with the way I play would still fit very well um whereas maybe some of the new modern players wouldn't fit I don't know but yeah no I yeah agree. it's amazing the response yeah. has been brilliant which is I, I can't I can't complain at all and I, and I, and I thank every single one person that, that's uh said a nice thing about me so yeah yeah, it's killer. I'm really glad they picked you, actually. Uh, I mean, they could have picked almost anybody that had the technical ability you do, but you actually bring something else, which is you, you've got a fairly, you've got a laid-back personality. Of course, you, you're, you're Irish too. I think that's really important that you bring that, that, that component. If they bought maybe an American guitarist, you know, the flamboyance that tends mm. to sort of come along with it, it might have sort of ruined the spectacle, uh, I think, a little bit. But, but it does lead to something else because I, I know you've had a decades-long career at this point. Uh, but and I must ask, given the quality of the fighter during your conversations around the fighter with the, you know the indie, I am a journalist, right? But you get a lot of indie journalists, people who don't have training in the like. Um, and and given the recent appointment in Deep Purple, are there some people out there thinking that you're, you know, you're a bit of a recent sensation? You've only just sort of come out of nowhere. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you know because. Um well, I did. A, I had a few records out oh, a long time ago. I think my last one I did was 2012. It was out or something like that. But mm. so there's that kind of whatever 10 year break. That wasn't really a break. I was kind of doing other things. I had kids, you know, and I had, I, yeah. I was playing with Don Airy and Gillen and Snake Charmer and various other people. So it's not that I wasn't doing anything. Um, but yeah, people, it's kind of like, it, you know, my new album is like a relaunch of me, you know, as my own yeah. solo stuff because it's a slightly different direction it's 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 more about me and what i want to do um whereas in the past not sometimes you can get steered down a, a direction or a path musically and you end up just getting stuck in it and you know um whereas this record the fighter is it's what you hear it's me it's that's just me my musical influence is coming out in, in every single song um so it is kind of like a reintroduction to the world you know even though i've been around for decades uh yeah. it's you know sometimes sometimes that happens with artists you know you can it can be touring for years or playing different things and then all of a sudden it's like well who's this guy you know because mm. you know never heard of this dude before you know like there's artists in 
Asia and, and, and Europe and, you know, who I've never heard of, who are massive, you know? So yeah. it's, it just makes you think, you know, the world is a big place, you know? And, uh, like there's some German artists I'm going, like they sell, <laughs> sell millions of records. And I'm like, yep. never heard of them <laughs> ever, ever. But that's, that's just the beauty of, of the music. So, um, like I know there was, there was a friend's man who were in a band and they were massive in Asia. But nobody had heard of them outside of Asia, and they were from Ireland. You wow. know, bizarre. So it's, um, yeah. uh, you know, but yeah, this for me, this was like a reintroduction. And okay, let's give it a, another push. You know, back into the world of Simon McBride, if you want to call it. So, mm. uh, but yeah, 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 yeah. The timing's good too, I think. Uh, and look, I already alluded to the quality of the album, but I'll dive a bit deeper into the cuts. Okay, so you you are a you are a very dynamic guitarist from the perspective that you can produce slow burning rockers such as Trouble, Let Me Go, Don't Dare and Show Me How to Love. I enjoy them. But then I enjoy the transition into the slinky groove of cuts, uh, a cut such as Kingdoms. But then you do the hard rock thing too, the stadium shaking thing, uh, the title cut uh, and the Steeler, and probably my favourite, King of the Hill, you know, the, that blue stuff that you're doing, you know, the Glenn Hughes blue stuff style thing. So when, when you're crafting cuts, do you pick a vibe and then work toward that or is it more just whatever happens? It's usually just whatever happens. You know, it's funny that the, the, the King of the Hill is probably the only one that wasn't uh, just let's see what happens. Uh, we mm. we were listening through all the songs. Yeah, King of the Hill was one of the last ones what we did. Um, and uh, we were listening, to all, uh, listening through all the songs and it was like, I haven't got anything as kind of a sh fast shuffle kind of a vibe. And I'm normally against fast shuffles. It was only uh, Dave, the guy who helped me produce it. He says, well, let's just try something. I was like, oh, really? Do I have to? <laughs> I don't really like all that. But I started playing this kind of guitar riff and well, I didn't even know I played it. I was noodling around a guitar and, and the, the, the guy I was writing with, Joe Webb, I was just noodling away and he went, what's that? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to play it. He says, well, just think about what you play. So I had to try and think back to what I, but my go, go backwards in time a little bit and try to mm -hmm. remember what I played. Rewind. I like, yeah. I was like, yeah, it was that. And, uh, I, I, and you know, that's how that song came about. It was like, okay, that's, that's a, that's a fast shuffle, you know? Um, uh, well, shuffle-esque, you know? Um, mm -hmm. but, yeah, uh, that was one where it was, yeah, we kind of thought about that was, we haven't got this sort of a vibe on the album. It's this sort of feel. Let's try try to write something like that. Everything else was just, see what happens. Whatever happens, happens, you know? Um, yeah. You know, because, uh, you know, I wrote about, I don't know, 16, 17 songs for the album. And then I just, you know, as you do, you narrow it down into the best ones, or I think the best ones, and you, you choose it. But it's funny, every whatever songs I think are the best ones are, is usually different to what everybody else thinks. <laughs> you know, it's bizarre. You know, like King of the Hell, everybody loves King of the Hell. I'm going, yeah, it's, it's, okay. it's a good song. I like it. You know, it wouldn't, wouldn't be my favorite, but you know, yeah. what do I know? Like, it's like, you know, you when, uh, <laughs> but yeah, but that's the yeah. thing. But people, everybody's ears are different. Everybody's perception is different. It's like, you know, when I was talking to Roger, you know, he like smoke in the water. It was, it, it nearly didn't make the album because it was a throwaway piece of music. Yeah. 
It was it's just like, like paranoid. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. You know, and they're like, okay, <laughs> biggest song ever. Okay, you know, so you just never know. Um, so that's why I sometimes put my faith in outside input, like the record company or producer to go, you know, because sometimes when you're too, when you're very close to the music, your opinion changes, you know. I try to separate myself from the guitarist to the producer to the listener. I can do it, but it's sometimes diff- difficult and you just get somebody from an outside, like the record company, they'll go, nope, we like this song, we're going to put that one out and I'm going, okay, I don't understand why, but okay, I trust you. Let's just do it, you know, because as, as I said, you just never know, you know, it, it could be the biggest song on the planet, but yep. hopefully that would be nice, but I don't think so. <laughs> but yeah. You're, you're singing on the album too, of course. So that's your vocal that we hear front and center. And yeah. I've got to say, I was surprised, not that I didn't think you had it in you, but it's bloody strong. It's a lot of soul in your voice. Like you've got that, it's not a, it's not a juxtaposition, if you know what I'm saying. It actually, your, your voice sounds like it suits your guitar playing and it doesn't sound like you're having to do a lot of effort either. It just sounds like it's natural. So when, when you're crafting melodies on the guitar, do you sometimes have to think about the vocal first or do you even do it the opposite where you come up with a vocal melody in the shower and you have to then think, what will I play, the, what what will work on the guitar to this vocal melody? Well, th- to be honest, this record, I, d- I decided to do something a little bit different. You know, I decided to, um, I got together with a friend of mine, Nathan, who's a singer-songwriter and he doesn't care about guitar really, you know. Um, he loves guitar music and he loves all that stuff, but when it comes to songs, he just, it's all about the song. So there's no real, let's get the guitar riff down and get that done. That's really killer. And then we'll work on the song. No, it's like, scrap all that nonsense. Let's just get the vocals, get the melodies, get the main thing of the song. So that's why I decided to do this album. That's why we, we have tracks like Show Me How to Love and Trouble and, and stuff like that. It's all about the vocal melodies and, and, and the, the, you know, the chorus sections and the lyrics. Because the guitar, I've been playing guitar for so long, I, I can... I can take the song. It's easier for me to do it this way. Get the song done and then put the guitar into it, if you know what I mean, mm, afterwards. Yeah. Um, but again, there is some certain songs where I come up with a guitar riff first and then it's done. Uh, you know, vocals is for me, it's not my first instrument, if you want to call it. So um, I was kind of very, kind of late to the, to the party when it came to singing. You know, um, realistically, I should have been singing when I was. 16 but mm. like every other 16 year old kid they don't want to sing mm. <laughs> i'm not saying can't sing can't sing that's that's always the attitude you know so but it was only so i was kind of late to the game it was only in when i was 25 or 26 i started singing you know properly um and I've just, I don't really practice singing at all i'm really bad at practicing singing and i should practice a lot more um I probably be. I would probably be a hell of a lot better at singing if I practice, but I don't. The only yeah. time I sing is on tour. That's it, or recording. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I think, like in regards to pitch and stuff with singing, you know, it's it's because I play guitar. I'm I'm so used to hearing certain pitches. My my voice naturally goes there anyway, uh, so I don't have that problem with pitching stuff. Um, yeah. And I think that's a benefit from being able to play an instrument. I know some singers who, who struggle with pitch, but they don't play any instruments. So it's, it's, they're not used to hearing certain, like what a C note is or what a D or an F yeah. or what. So, um, but yeah, you know, as I said, with this record, I wanted to just 
make it about the songs. Because at the end of the day, you listen to the NAL, what, what do people love? Songs. It's a common thing through everything, whether it's the Beatles, whether it's Black Sabbath, whatever, whoever it is, they all have one com- one thing in common. The songs are brilliant. So that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to get the songs, you know, uh, I wanted to write great songs and I can always put the guitar into it, you know, because that's when you, when you work with a lot of these guys, you know, there's different people have different ways of writing stuff like Don Airy would write in a different way. You know, and a lot of those older bands are writing a different way. It's like they write all the music and then the singer has to put stuff on top of it, which is quite difficult. But I like to, with this stuff, I was, I wanted it to be all part of it. So the first thing we had was the lyrics and just basic chord structures and vocal melodies. And that's, mm-hmm. that was the way I did most of it. Um, everything else can be tweaked afterwards, you know. Yeah, yeah, okay, I get you. Yeah. Now, what about challenges? Were there any serious challenges you had to you you, you had to face and overcome during the recording process? No, to be honest, it was pre- relatively easy. It just took a long time because we did it in in stages because I was so busy at the time. I, I didn't have two three weeks just to kneel down and go into the studio and, and do it. And uh, oh. so we did it over the, over the space of a year. You know, uh, just bit here and a bit there. You know, I was. We were never in this, the. The only thing I, I I regret about the album is we were never in the same room together. <laughs> you oh, know, yeah. uh, so everything was done. I got the drum, the drummer Johnny. He played all the drums in London, and and then I got his drum tracks done or back, and then I recorded all the cu- guitars again over the top of him. You know, well, basically, what I sent him was basically nearly like a finished product anyway, but. He did the drums and then I replaced, replaced all the guitars because drummers move around a little bit, you know, the tempo yes. mm-hmm. important for me to play to him and then the bass player seems to, so it felt a bit more, uh, uh, you know, tight together. Yep. So, but yeah, apart from that, it was all relatively easy. You know, it's, uh, that's it. The only hard part, but it was cause it was, it felt like it was taking forever to get done because it was over a year. Whereas most people go in three weeks done. You know, yeah. which will probably be my next album. Uh, I'm, I've, I've planned. I've said. I've said to the label, I'm going in three weeks in the studio and I'm done. That's it. I want to get. You know, I don't want it to drag on and drag on, um, because you, you kind of lose that bit of drive for it. I think. Yeah. You know, yeah. well, a lot of things in your life come come in, don't you? Kids, school stuff, and all the rest of it, and. All of a sudden, you find your attention, your energy being drawn elsewhere. But I mean, if you've got a busy schedule like what you do, it's sort of like a—I'm not saying minor miracle, but you know where I'm headed. That everything sort of sounds as cohesive as what it does. Yeah, it, you know, it's and sometimes as well, you know, when you go into a studio, you know, your your one purpose is this album. That's it. Mm. You know, it's not looking after the kids or going, as you say, going to the wood, doing whatever else I have to do. It's like, here's three weeks. It's you, you get into this zone, this, this place. And that's what it's, and that's where the magic happens. I believe, you know? Um, so, uh, yeah, it's cause you know, it's that, that same old saying life gets in the way sometimes, you know, and oh, yeah. can disrupt does. things a little bit. So, yeah. um, yeah. So my next record will be done differently. Hopefully it yeah. probably won't be as good now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it will be. Now, you're, if you mentioned you've got extra cuts there, do you think that they'll make the next album or are you going to start again? 
no, I just I'll start again. I've already half the next. I've already the uh, half the songs written for the next album anyway. So um, no, I always like to start fresh. You know, um, mm-hmm. the songs are still there from the previous ones. They make one a bonus thing or something at some point. You know, so they're all done anyway. So um, yeah. yeah, it's a case of just keep a little extra feature on, on another CD some point or album or down the line. But everything I, I like to do from fresh and and, and start mm-hmm. again. You know. Look, I understand you, you, your timeline as a guitarist. You, you're part of the great tradition of Irish guitar players, you know, Gary Moore and especially Vivian Campbell. I understand you're in Sweet Savage for a period of time there. And mm. and I was reading an interview with you where you talked about you uh, witnessed Gary Moore playing a gig in Belfast. And I think you mentioned that was the catalyst for you, to the, the inspiration really for you to say, that's what I want to do with my life. But those guys, they're the obvious guys, aren't they really? Because they're just, you know, they're, they're colossuses, those guys, particularly Gary. Mm-hmm. But did you get into, especially because we're the same age, a little bit before our time, we sort of came up through the grunge era and the death metal era, I think is the way to describe it. But we had to work to get into some of these shredders that came into the 80s, that came out through the 80s. So guys like George Lynch, Vito Brada, Evan Ingve. Did you get into the playing of any of those guys? Did they inspire you as well? Yeah, all of them. I, you know, I, you know, the Satrianis, the Gilberts, the Paul, uh, the Vise, the George Lynch, uh, all those eighties, you know, rock guys. You know, I, I listened to every single one of them. I learned every single thing that they did, most of it anyway. Um, that was my that was my training ground, basically. All that 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 style of music, you know. Um, and for me. I don't think there was any any better training ground than that if you want to be a guitarist because it's like they were all great players, you know. So the, mm. the, nothing you're going to learn is a bad thing. It's always going to be a good thing. Because um, I remember I, even when you know Satriani, he, like the first four albums, the Not of This Earth, Surfing of the Alien, Plan of the Blue Dream, and the Extremist, I learned them all back to back, you know. I was, I was obsessed. I was, cause all I did when I was a kid was play guitar. I played for like nine hours a day or something stupid like that. Um, and I just learned, I remember my, I had a little tape recorder or a tape machine at the time. And mm. I used to wear out the tapes a lot. Um, uh, it was the same with I passion warfare album. I learned it inside out and don't ask me. I couldn't play it today. Like, you know, but, <laughs> um, Paul Gilbert was the same George Lynch. I loved all the doc and stuff as well. Um, mm. Yeah, just there was so many players back then. I've forgotten half the names, you know, because there was, you know, it got a bit oversaturated, I suppose is the word. And I think that's why grunge happened then, you know, because uh, it kind of went a bit uh, uh, tits up, I think, you know, with the guitar player. Yeah. And, you know, when the Malmsteen was a great player. I never really learned much of Malmsteen stuff. I wasn't a massive fan of that neoclassical kind of influence into the what he did it was a bit too intense but that's just my personal opinion you know i appreciate yeah. he's, an, he's he's an unbelievable player like you know when you hear him play stuff that's not ingve stuff is like jesus <laughs> he's brilliant but so yeah all that stuff was a, a big like i list i listened to everybody you know it was a massive I was, I was all that all those guitarists and then another big influence on me was steve lugather from toto like mm. huge influence you know i i learned tried to learn everything that he did because every time I hear something he plays, it was like, oh, not again. There's another masterpiece of, you know, so, so I learned that and I, you know, and I still, 
it's a funny thing. It's still to this day, I still get inspired by him. You know, and if I'm sometimes even on a gig day, I'll stick on like uh, maybe his first solo record or something, just listening to it. It just gives me a little bit of inspiration for when I go on play because everything he plays is just genius, in my opinion, you know. Um, but so I'm still massively inspired by all those guys, you know. Um, I think as well with that generation. A lot of the music was fun to listen to. You know, it was upbeat. You know, like one of my favorite bands is Motley Crue. You know, just because it's just it's high energy, it's fun. You know, and that, that's that's what I love. Like one of my favorite songs is Doctor Feelgood. Every time I, you know, hear that coming on the radio, it was like, let oh, me turn it right brings up. Brings us back, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, and it puts a smile on my face, and it puts me in this different place, this this happy place. You know, so um, yeah, it's a. Uh, but everybody's different. Everybody has their own genre of music that they like. You know, I was never really into the hard, heavy metal, like, you know, or death metal or anything like that. Mm. That wasn't for me. Um, like even Metallica to a certain extent, I wasn't really too much into them. It was a bit too, at the time, really a bit mm. too too heavy for me. But um, I, as I got older, I grew to appreciate it more, you know, what they did and, you know, but um but yeah. There you go. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, about the heavy metal stuff. I mean, it was impossible to avoid back in the day, wasn't it? I mean, Slayer, Megadeth, Metallica, even the death metal stuff like uh, Morbid Angel and, and in Britain, Carcass was a big band uh, there. So none of that stuff really, obviously, you've already answered the question that it didn't really appeal to you. That were mates around you listening to it and saying, hey, have a, have a listen to this stuff here. It's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody, uh, a lot of friends were all into, you know, as you say, Metallica, Anth Anthrax, Slayer. I just never, it never really uh, uh, did anything for me, you know. Mm. I don't know why. It just, I try, but it just, I appreciate, you know, how good it is and for the style of music and. You know, sometimes I listen to it now and I go, that's amazing, <laughs> you know, you know, but it's just, it's just when you're caught up in a certain moment, like back then, I was just more interested into the, uh, the more melodic aspects yeah. of the guitarist. So, but that was just me, you know, um, but not like, like I remember when grunge first come out, I hated it. I hated grunge with a passion. Yes, I, yeah. Cause it ruined my world. <laughs> it ruined all my guitarists. All the guitarists was gone, but now I listen to it and I go, I was an idiot. I was a narrow-minded little kid. And I was just like, okay. When I listen to like Soundgarden and going, it's just unbelievable. The 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 music in it, you know, and but that's it's it's just how you, you know you change over the years mentally and you know, but but again, everybody's different, you know. Um as I said, I was only eighteen year old kid, so at that age it's like, nope, I want to hear guitar music, that's it. I don't want to yeah. hear any of this stuff, you know. But those, that's why we all grow up in the end. <laughs> yeah, I did the same thing back in the day. I hated bands like Stone Temple Pilots. Of course, I love them now. And I've even spoken yeah. to Dean DeLeo. And, uh, yeah, I sort of think, God, what was I thinking? But I think it was just because it was the popular music of the day. And to your point, so I love Queen and stuff as well, Pink Floyd. And they never went away, but they certainly weren't played on radio. 
And yeah. uh, I went to a boarding school, so you had all these guys playing all the grunge. And because it was a lot of rural kids, a lot of country music too, which I still can't stand, to be honest with you. But uh, it is what yeah. it is, isn't it? You know, you, we are, we are, people like you and I sort of have our own news and we sort of gravitate toward that and bugger the trends that are going on. And uh, look, I'll, I'll make this my final question for you there. Then, mate, do, do you think you're um, going to come down this way at all anytime soon? I don't know. We will have to see. I don't know what's happening. My life at the minute is just all up in the air. I don't know what's going on, <laughs> what's happening. Um, I'd love to come down to Australia. I have never been to Australia. Um, uh, I, you know, I have a few friends that live in Australia and, and, um, but yeah, I'd love to come to my only problem with Australia is the snakes. I don't like snakes. <laughs> Can't do the snakes. <laughs> You know, I think if I seen the snake, I would be, oh, you'd never see a white man run so fast. <laughs> you know? But no, I'm not joking. No, I don't know. We will, we will see. You know, it's a possibility. There, there's, you know, uh, I don't know what's happening with the purple stuff yet. You know, um, ah. except it's, it's all just we'll we'll play it by ear and see what happens. I think so. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, you you definitely got an audience down here, no doubt about that. There's certainly a, a cohort of uh, shred ready guitar fans out there who love what you're doing uh, and appreciate that there are albums like this coming out. You know, Joe Bonamassa sells out QPAC, which is about two two and a half thousand seats or thereabouts. You know, right. so there's definitely an audience down here for it. But uh, you know, just to finish things off, you know, congratulations for making it and doing it. You know, I mean, it's a massive accomplishment being in Deep Purple and uh, and doing what you're doing there and there's only a few people in the world that can do it mate and you're one of them oh thank you very much man that that, that means a lot you know it's it's uh it's an honor and a privilege to be do, be part of it and, you know so i just mm. i just i just try to do my best and you know hopefully people like it <laughs> i think they do i think they do but the album's killer too and uh i, I encourage anybody out there to get out there and look a bit beyond deep purple to be honest with you and get into the solo stuff because uh, i've had yeah. it on in the back what i like about it mate just a quick tidbit I work from home, this setup here, and I'm writing away. I can have your music on in the background and it, and it actually complements. You know, like a lot of music doesn't do that. It's sort of, you've got to yeah. sort of turn it off because you've got to keep working. But I listen to a lot yeah. of synth stuff, but I had on your stuff in the background today and yesterday, and it sat really nicely. And that's that, that's a tribute to your musicality. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much, man. Thank you. I'm, 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 uh, I'm, I'm glad you like it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, God bless, mate. Uh, hopefully we can uh, catch up when you come down here, but uh, otherwise, mate, good luck with everything. No worries. Cheers, man. Thanks very much for having me. Pleasure. No worries, mate. Have a great one. All right. Cheers. Catch See you out. later. Bye, bye, bye. No worries. Bye. Well, there you have it, ladies and gents. I told you it was a, an interesting conversation up top. Uh, Simon is... Uh, He's one of those fellas who I feel like I could talk to a lot more, but, you know, we only get an allocated period of time or thereabouts. He's the sort of bloke that I wish I could actually have a one-on-one -on -one chat with over a couple of beers and just dive into songcraft, musicianship, all of the things that make him such an excellent musician. If you like that chat, there are many more just like it over at scarsandguitars.com and something else you can do when you're over at scarsandguitars.com is check out my new book. You can download it from your favorite marketplace, Amazon, Apple Books, whatever it is you want to dive into it'll be available for you i've made sure there's about seven or eight marketplaces what have you anywho i'm going to leave you with this it's a bit of an advertisement for it i appreciate uh, that you have listened to the chat and please indulge me and have a listen and a bit of a watch if you're on youtube to my advertisement for my book 
And if you do buy it, please hit me up because I'd love to have a chat to you. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast series. It's a very good buy for now. This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. I've been the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast since 2017. The first musician I interviewed for the show was David Vincent from Morbid Angel, and things have just snowballed from there. In all, I've posted almost 650 podcast episodes featuring conversations with many of the leading lights of rock, heavy metal, and beyond. It just got to a point where I thought, I need to write a book about all this, so that's exactly what I did. In Scars and Guitars Volume 1, you'll read a heap of deep reveals and commentary, such as Des Fafara talking about Cold Chamber and why the band will never return. You know, if you're a, a band just starting out, you need to hear me. Do not start a band with partners. Ever. Yeah, wise words, uh, sage advice, mate, for anybody. Don't ever, because I, I can't go do Cold Chamber right now unless I get others involved. Phil Anselmo talks about the episode in his career, which gives him the greatest sense of accomplishment. I think the staying power of the, the fans and the staying power of the I, of the songs, you know, whether it's Pantera, Down, or Superjoint, the fans remember the songs. Alex Skolnick from Testament confirms that, yes, playing the guitar in Ozzy's band is anything but an ordinary gig. Will Silent Oz from Demu Borgir write a book? Pa from Sabaton gives advice to people who want to start a band. Look at the team around you, look at the bandmates. If, uh, if the guys want to be on the stage, then it's all cool. If the guys want to be backstage, then it's not going to be cool. Current and former members of Cradle of Filth discuss the band's seminal 90s material. Read about the reaction to George Lynch and Mark from Suicide Silence's comments when they throw shade at then-President Donald Trump. We have this idiotic monster, you know, this egotistical, self-aggrandizing, complete piece of shit in there. I, I, just, I just can't understand how we've gotten to this place. And yeah, we kicked a hornet's nest with Sepultura. Percussive overlord Gene Hoagland talks about recording with Chuck Schuldiner. Chuck was always, um, you know, he, he was very, you know, very open-minded and and he was into having his his musicians that were playing with him just reach out for, for the best stuff that they had. Phil Campbell from Motorhead discusses what it takes to get sober. John Five answers his critics who dismiss his tenure with Marilyn Manson. You know, my name is John Five and Manson gave me that name and um, I had some of the best years of my life in that band and, and learned a lot. And we get the lowdown on Trey Zagtoth from those who would know, including his mother. All across Scars and Guitars Volume 1, there are moments of tension, relief, tragedy, exhilaration, and throughout it all, you'll obtain insight that I believe no one else has managed to obtain from many of your favourite artists. So treat yourself. Scars and Guitars Volume 1 is currently available as an ebook with a print edition on the horizon. Follow the links attached and download a sample. I'm sure you'll be compelled to read the whole book.